Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Ash here. It's a great day. I get to welcome a lifelong friend onto the Busy Mumsy podcast. I am I'm so thrilled that she's here. Sarah Strimmel Bentley will be joining us today for a fab chat a fab busy chat. Um, She's got an incredible career from Broadway to advocacy to building her own business, her own brand. Um, I could go on and on and on, but then this is going to turn into like a seven series podcast just around our friendship, around our journey together, but then into her journey and how she has really strived, thrived and survived She is a survivor of breast cancer. She's an advocate for young women facing the same diagnosis, as well as really helping those who are struggling with health issues, you know, now. And, you know, I I actually wrote a lot of notes today just to kind of keep myself on track into this conversation with her because I really want her to share fully her story. So instead of me rambling on (laughs) and uh, getting emotional, we're going to dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Sarah Strimble Bentley, welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. First, ladies and gentlemen, she waves first. You have to talk, Sarah. Wave to you, and now I'm talking. Yeah, no, it's all good. Well, for the listeners, I've known Strimmel for decades like, long, long time. That we luckily got on this podcast and started chatting prior to hitting record. So we will get into busy mumsy life, not just our, you know, shooting the shit and, and catch up. Although that would be like quite interesting to listen to anyway, because you and I, like, I mean, that the, the shooting of the shit is, is quite entertaining, I may say. Speaking of, I can curse on this busy mum cat. You, you just curse, so I'm assuming I can. Yeah. No, you, you are allowed to kickball change layout, whatever you want to do. Um, the good right. news, too, is that we've got some video on here. So, again, if you do want to kickball change and layout, you do have a very strong layout. We can let that happen. I mean, <laughs> if I kickball changed and laid it out right now, I'd have to, someone would have to come lay me down and because my back would go out because, you know what? Oh. The layout is still there, but at 41 years old, She's a little different, so she might be a kickball change, step touch, jazz hand, and that's what we might. Have. Uh, you know what? Uh, just a little side story of of I fell getting out of the car today, and I and so Ricky comes home from from work, and I go, I fell. He's like, Are you okay? I go, Well, I think we're gonna find out tomorrow because well, I'm older and like things hit you differently, right? So like I'm not gonna feel this until like day two, day three. Oh no! See, see, I, it hits me right away at this age. I mean, I, we're we're the same age essentially. And, and, and right, like if something happens, I'm like, oh yes, oh that yes. <laughs> no, I, I I think I'm gonna be like gonna need a forklift to get me out of bed tomorrow. So ah, well, we shall see. If you weren't all the way in Africa, I would come help you. Yeah, right. <laughs> just just another continent away. No big deal. Well, we'll see. I I already knew that we would just go off and off and on little tangents that I wrote notes. I I typically just kind of dive into a busy mumsy chat, but I knew what I wanted to like 
talk to you about. And I probably wrote this down also so I don't get an emotional mess. So I knew that like the words were already in front of me. So then like, you know, whatever happens from there happens. Yeah. So, you know, I, because to be very fair, there's a lot of topics. Like we we literally should do like the Sarah Strimmel Bentley, like part one, part two, part five, part 1000 series for this. So I'm going to try to get through all of my questions for you. And um, it's several topics, like several topics that I feel like we should dive into to find more understanding of like beyond what you already give, right? Because you give a lot already on your platform um, with Instagram. Um, are you are you doing TikTok as well? No, I'm a ticky talky. I had a yes. Oh, I'm on the ticky talk. Really? Oh my yes. gosh! I think I have like forty thousand followers on the ticky talk now. Oh my gosh. Good on you. I, 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 I like dipped, I dipped my toe, if you will, into Tiki Talkie. And then I went bye-bye. Yeah. Kind of like threads. Kind of like threads. So, you know, I mean, again, I'm, we're going to go off topic. Like but the threads yeah. thing, I signed up for it, you know, and then, then I'm like, okay, hold on. You wait, you're telling me that I have to run our houses take care of our cars, take care of all the things, my husband, all the life things. I have a full-time job. I run a foundation. I got to post on Instagram every day. I got to post on TikTok. And now you want me to thread? I was like, when can a girl, like how, how? There's not enough hours in the day to do it all. So you do have that champagne problem called the pillows on your, your, your porch around the swimming pool. I saw that Insta story. Don't you go red on me. I was like, is she really posting about those goddamn pillows around that pool? Yes, because it's a thing. How can you thread when you have to pick up the pillows? Okay, any of you listening, please tell me. Ash is going to clown me for this. But anyone listening, if you have outdoor furniture, okay? I'm just saying, again, I, I introed it and said this is a champagne problem. But if you have outdoor furniture and you live in a place where it's rainy and it's sunny and it's rainy and it's sunny and it doesn't know what it is, which welcome to Long Island um, in New York, you know, you spend most of your day, if you actually care about your outdoor furniture, which I do and my throw pillows, that I, you're like, is it going to rain? Is it not going to rain? And you spend a chunk of your brain power thinking about this and then you have to take all the pillows up and then where are you going to put the pillows? You got to put them in the house. It's just a whole thing. So I, if anyone listening can can understand this this trauma that I go through on a daily basis. So guys, it's gonna rain tonight or tomorrow at 5 a.m. I've already planned, I'm gonna take the cushions in at six and cover all the other stuff. Like this is my life. <laughs> I don't have kids yet. <laughs> she, ladies and gentlemen, she does not have children yet, but by golly, when they turn three, they will be removing the throw pillows from the pool area. Wait, so they'll work for us, this is great. Oh, no, 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 no. They will work for food. And more importantly, they will work for chocolate. Amazing. Uh, Yes, I learned that this weekend when my surrogates kids were here with us. So there you go. There you go. It's it it is. It's quite the learning curve. And when it starts to happening, you're like, oh, my God, I'm so putting my feet up. Anyways, there we were again. again. Okay, this is where I'm going to hone into because I'm glad that we had a laugh over throw pillows and I hope that you are laughing at home as well about Strimble's throw pillows. What you have gone through over the past three years is bananas. So I want to first dive into, we're just going to dive in. And, and Ricky even says like, would oh, you have questions for her? And I was like, yeah, do you want me to read them to you? And he was like, Whoa, like out the gate, we're getting heavy. And I'm like, listen, we're, th- this is, th- this is the meat and the potatoes, right? This is like what it's all about. And then this is what is now catapulting you forward to be the best busy mumsy ever. So to your journey, Strimmel, <laughs> through a double mastectomy, IVF, chemo, radiation, it's a lot. Can you take us back to the beginning and share how you found the strength? Again, your strength, I don't know where it comes from. I know you, but this is like on a whole other level. How did you find the strength to face this diagnosis head on? Yeah. So, and I guess it would be important to kind of tell everybody that's listening. Like, I mean, you just heard Ashley list the things that I went through, but I did. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, September 1st of 2020. So that date's coming up 
Um, every year, you know, September 1st hits, I like, it's like my cancerversary. Um, it's my cancerversary. But uh, yeah, you know, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I went through an unthinkable amount of, of pain um, and, and, you know, and, and I lost my ability to have babies. I have my ovaries removed. Um, I'm on medication for 10 more years. So this wasn't just, you know, like once your active treatment for breast cancer is done, it doesn't just stop there. Um, and so how I found the strength to get through all of that is, is like a couple fold. Um, at one, I think, and Ashley, you and I both understand this, uh, growing up as dancers and singer actresses, like in musical theater, like finding the strength to just exist in that career, you, you were resilient. You know, you, you're injured. All right, I'm gonna do everything I can do to get back out there and, and, and get back on stage. Or your show closes and you're like, okay, you know what? How am I gonna pay my rent? We're gonna figure this out. We're gonna do this, you know? And so that resiliency that we learned through, through our, our lives, a big bulk of our, our lives have been spent preparing for hard things, right? Because every day was a hard thing in what we did with the rejection and things. So I think that, that was part of the strength. I think it was, it was in me all along. And then I think that I, I had been diagnosed with breast cancer, like nine months into falling in love with the love of my life, who is now my husband at that time. He was my boyfriend. And, and I kind of like looked in the mirror and I looked at him and obviously the night I got diagnosed, cried, drank about two bottles of wine. Um, you know, I just didn't, I couldn't process what, what was told to me because I had everything finally I wanted. You know, I had the partner I dreamt of and after dating in New York for 20 years, which is a complete shenanigan, as we both know, you know, and I, and I had built a successful business and everything was great. And, and then, you know, like the sky fell in. So I think I looked in the mirror and I said, I have a choice. I have a choice that I can like get through this and look at all the joy. And I talk about joy mining a lot and you've heard me say this, but like, you know, I mount, I mine the joy in this shitty situation, right? Like there is joy. It was all around me. I had this beautiful puppy and this amazing man. And so I kept looking towards the good things, right? And not thinking about what I was losing because if I did that, then I'd be lost. And I think that's an important phrase to remember. I don't think about what you're losing because then you become lost. I would have lost myself. Instead, I was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna lose the boobies, right? That's gonna be that's gonna be pretty painful. And we're gonna mourn that. And I did. And then, you know, I was like, okay, now I have I have some fake boobies. So let's that's great. They look great now, you know? And so like there there were ways that I was able to to look at the situation and not let myself get lost, uh, which is to look at, at the beauty around me. So I think I think those two things. My, my ability to be extremely resilient and my ability to, you know, I'm a positive person, you know, like you've known me for our, most of our lives. And so I think having that, not toxic positivity, but just like, again, learning, honing the skill to when you're in a really shitty situation that you have no choice, you can't get out of, you've just got to get to the end of it, you know, and you can choose the way that you walk down the street. Mm. And you also took on though empowering others through this journey, which is something that even like tipping the hat back to as an actor, as a dancer, performer, where you're, we're so self, right? We're so like in the moment of how do I get this job back to how am I paying for the rent? But I feel like from the get go out the gate, when you started being very vocal about your journey, you also were very much in tune of how can I help others and how can I empower others? What clicked for you? What was it? Was that a healing factor for you that you found that kind of like that push pull? If I'm helping to empower others and help them find their voice, this is also helping me to find mine. Oh, like a hundred percent, Ash. I mean, you know, so for everyone listening, you know, I, I was in Broadway for a long time, seven Broadway shows, and then I started a, a couple yoga companies. So I, when I was diagnosed, was deep in my, you know, yoga teaching and, and my, my company, Damn Good Yoga. And what I did for a living at that point was Dr. Heal Thyself. So when I would teach yoga, right, so I would teach, you know, 60-person packed, sold-out classes and it was constantly like, how can I help these people live healthier, happier, better lives, right? So that's already in me as someone that chose that career path. But what I would teach as you, because you've taken many of my yoga classes, 
it would be me using my life. Um, so I wouldn't talk about myself per se, but I, you know, I'd like start off a yoga class and I'd say, all right, listen, I had this blind date last night and, you know, we talked about why old vine wine is so expensive. And he was telling me because the roots of the vines, the old vines, they have to go really deep and to get deep, they have to go through, like, they have to break through rock and they have so many obstacles, right? But through all that struggle and all those obstacles, they get down to the bottom and that's where the good, the good stuff is. And that's why the wine is so good, right? These grapes have to struggle. So I was like, what a lesson. Everybody should know this, you know? And so I go in the next day and I tell the story about this blind date on this with this guy who ended up ghosting me. I remember this dude. He was a he was a personal injury lawyer in New York. So if you're listening, I won't say your name, put you on blast. But <laughs> which his fly. face is probably on the side of a bus. And you know me. I just like wink wink. No, no, no. He might it might be. Actually, I don't know. Good question. I should find out. But so I, my point is, is I already had that. And then I would use that story to help others know that like going through hard stuff, there's gold in the bottom, right? So I'd already been sort of moving in this way through my life. So when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, same thing. I, I kind of knew when I looked at James and I said, hey, are you okay with me talking about this on a public platform? Because he's very private. Um, he's gotten considerably less private since marrying me. He's no longer private. <laughs> no, no. But I looked at him and I said, are you, are you comfortable with this? Like, I think this is a story that needs to be told. And I don't, I don't know why yet, but I'm going to tell my story. And very soon after I started to share these, these moments of, of and, and it was, it was the hard moments where I'd be sobbing, you know, with in chemo. And then there were the joyful moments where I'd be dancing to Pitbull celebrating, you know? So I shared all of it. And, um, you know, I think the minute I started to share messages came in from women saying, I just got diagnosed and seeing you be able to live your life still, right. You're, you're, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're living your life. And, and, and I know that I'm going to be okay. Because when I got diagnosed, I, you know, I went on the gram and I was like, hashtag breast cancer. And sometimes if you do that, it's like Yelp. You know how you only get bad reviews? Like you don't post on Yelp unless it's real bad or like really great. So, so I had a hard time finding a girl that looked like me um, that was, you know, thriving. And so I wanted to give that. So a girl in the middle of the night, like I was just diagnosed, not sleeping, believe I'm going to die can see that it's not a death sentence and that you can still have a full, beautiful life with this diagnosis and this disease. So, yeah. I, but I have to ask, how did you, I, for lack of the better word of like convince, like how do you tell yourself in that moment? What was it for you in that moment that you were like, I'm, I, I'm gonna, th th this is gonna be another like triple pirouette that Susan Stroman wants to see me do center stage and do it eight shows a week, just like cancer. I'm gonna fucking do it. So like, how did you take like the world's hardest moment of your life, that news, and try to, to get through? Like, I, I just like, I, I wrote, I, Strimmel, I've like written all day about like what to ask and how, and I'm just like, I can't come up with the right wording to ask you, but like this yeah. had to be so unbelievably guttural. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did you get through it? Like, in all just like, because like you, you can do so much for the gram. I'm sorry. It's such a bright, shiny freaking land of squares. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can switch it off when you want to, and you can really freaking curl up in a corner and feel like you are back down into those roots, clear back down in those wine roots that you were talking about. Yeah. So it's like, what was it for you? Or was it something that was, that was said to you or that you like that just clicked that allowed no. you to work? It's wild. Like you just have to get through it. That's the one thing you're like, how did you get through it? Cause you have no other choice. I mean, you do actually have a choice and that's to like, lay down and just give up and say like, you know, I, and, and I knew there was so much of life for me to live on the other side of this disease that I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to get through this. And, and then I, I let myself feel everything. Right. So like 
I did let myself, like there were nights where I'd be up all night and I'd roll over to James and like six times in the middle of the night, I'd poke him and wake him up and I'd say, am I going to die? And he'd say, you're not going to die or go back to sleep. You know what I mean? And then there were, there were days where he held me, like the days I found out about my fertility and not being able to be, I'm, I'm going to cry. And that, like that finding out that cancer and my chemotherapy had like completely rendered me infertile. And then finding out that I'd have to have my ovaries out then finding out I couldn't carry a baby on my own. Like I, I, I let myself go to those emotions. I, I didn't, I wasn't like what we used to do on Broadway, which was like, I'm okay. You know, we got this. Cause you and I are very good at that. Like very good. I was like, I let myself feel everything. Like I laid on the floor and James held me. And I think I wailed for like hours, like so loud. They had to call the security in our apartment building, you know? I just let myself feel all of it. And I didn't hold, I didn't say like, I should be doing this this way. Like, this is how you do cancer, you know, like, or do grief or whatever people, you know, there's books that you read. People bought me those books and I was like, fuck these books. These books, like, they're so annoying, you know? It's just like, that's how you get through it. You get through it to get to it. Cause you know, if you don't, if you don't get through it, you're, you're dead. Or, or your life, that then you're going to let your life become your diagnosis. And I was sure as hell not going to let my life become about fear and cancer and sickness. Um, so, you know, I just, I just believed. I was like, I'm going to be okay. Um, yeah, but I think that's to, to like bluntly answer your question. It's like you get through it because you have to. And I don't know. I don't think like people, people were like, God only gives the people, this pissed me off so much. God only gives the people that can handle the, you were chosen by him because you're strong enough. And I was like, um, no, God did not. No, 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 thank you. If God, if God was trying to like give me, I was like, I did some really good stuff in my life. I don't think God was like, I'm gonna give you cancer just because you can. <laughs> you're a can-do kind of girl. <laughs> you're a can-do kind of girl. You look like a girl that can do cancer. I kicked, yeah, you know, I did cancer really well. I would give it like a 10 out of 10 is how I did cancer. So yeah, I mean, that that's sort of, I don't know. Did that answer the question? Where did the moment then of parenthood, wanting a family, when did that all come into the mix? How did the decisions happen um, to move forward with where you are now. This is a topic when I reached out to you, I was like, you know, I've, I've, I've had one other couple come on, um, Brett and, um, Stephen, and then, um, with their whole surrogacy journey, um, which is completely separate. Yes. And you did, we were in American in Paris with, uh, Stephen. Yeah. 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 But completely separate storyline. And this is just, you know, an, a whole other alleyway of, you know, going on this, on this route. So when was it for you during, I'm sorry, the, the trenches of figuring out life, death, where you are in your body and everything, what then kind of sparked that like, we need to think about this parenting route together? I mean, this is a great question because it, by the way, it's like, it all happens at once, right? So here I am, September 1st, 2020, dating James Bentley, nine months. In a, in a global pandemic, okay? So like, I mean, you know, did you like give a shoulder and wink? I mean, like, <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> when you make plans, God laughs. Is that what they say? So, <laughs> so I, you know, I'm, I'm here. We just bought a dream house in East Hampton and I get diagnosed with breast cancer. All right, so we bought a house together. So we already had like a commitment. We're both on the deed. Okay, all right. And so you get diagnosed and literally... And especially because my cancer was in my lymph nodes, which means, and my cancer was like aggressive, you know, my can't, well, as, as the showgirls say, my cancer was full out. I had a full out kind of, full out kind of cancer um, where it just like, they say it grew to the size of a walnut in like under six months. That's how fast my cancer was just like madness. So when they diagnose you, everything happens very, very quick. Um, you're in, you're in an office and then all of a sudden they give you this like breast cancer binder, at least where I went, I went to Mount Sinai, Dubin breast center. They're incredible for anyone that's listening. It's in New York city, best doctors in the world. Um, and so they give you this binder and they're like, this whole week of diagnosis is literally, you are running around the city. So, so yet you're, you're trying to process that you have cancer in your body. 
You're trying to process that they're going to cut your boobs off in two weeks, which that's literally two weeks after I got diagnosed, I had my double mastectomy because everything for me had to happen quickly. But not only that, you're in like an MRI, an MRI guided biopsy. You're in a PET scan to see if the cancer's already spread through your body. You're running around to your plastic surgeon. You're running around. So somewhere in there, my surgeon, thank God, Dr. Elisa Port, she's incredible. She's like, we got to talk about your fertility. And here I am like, what do you mean? You know, because I knew about breast cancer just from like pink ribbons. What? Why would a 38-year-old woman have to, I didn't even get mammograms. I'm too young, right? Because under the guide of the U.S. I had one friend that had breast cancer. So I, well, what do you mean, what am I, my fertility? Well, you know, Sarah, chemotherapy, which you're going to have to have. And I was like, oh, they're, put that one on the list, you know, like that. She's like, that could render you infertile. So we need to get you into IVF yesterday. And so I'm like, I, I didn't realize breast cancer had anything to do with babies. But, you know, then I, because you, you, you're like a newbie. So then we get sent, sent to the IVF office with my boyfriend, James Bentley of nine months. And we're sitting in the IVF office. And I've told this story a lot online, but like, and the doctor looks at us, Dr. Buyuk, this Eastern European, wonderful um, IVF doctor. And not only is he saying all these things, and it's like, remember the teacher from the Peanuts? At that point in the week, it was, at that point, I'd heard so much wah-wah all week. I mean, I'd gone through so much pain. The tests were like terrible. The, everything was horrible. Then he goes, so do you want to freeze your eggs or do you want to freeze embryos? Because embryos are much more successful. If we freeze the eggs and then you guys decide you want to make embryos, some of the eggs, like maybe, maybe all of them wouldn't make it. So I'm now dealing with like the whole future of my fertility, not on top of the fact that I'm dealing with James and I, like, are we ready to, this is like, this is like a, the, the commitment of life at this right. moment. And he, he looks at me and I look at James and James says embryos. I want to make embryos with you, you know? And then I'm like sobbing. I'm going to cry just telling the story again. But like, I was like, okay, then we're going to make embryos, you know? And even then, like after that, through the weeks, you know, before that we did the IVF right after the double mastectomy, literally like jumped in. I still had my drains in from my breast surgery when we started doing shots. And at a, there's, there's still be moments where I was like, hey, James, are you sure? Like I could freeze a couple eggs and a couple embryos. Like are you, and he was like, babe, I'm all in. And this, to this day, it was like the most. So we did two rounds of IVF and we got one healthy embryo. Um, from two rounds. Um, we made a bunch. Like, I guess I had a bunch of eggs. Again, you don't know how many eggs you have, but I hadn't even thought I was going to do IVF or have cancer. But in like one one week, you know, he was like, oh, you have, you know, 20 follicles for your age. And I was like, at that point, I'm like, great. Like, I just, you know, and so you just, yeah. So this all, wait, 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 wait. Just, just, just stop. Me. The story is very long. This, this, this is all in one week. So one week. Four, day, four days. Four days. So September 1st, I got diagnosed. September 4th, I was in the IVF office. September 15th, I had a double mastectomy. And then legit, like a week later, I started IVF. Back-to-back -back rounds. Like, we didn't even wait for my period to come. We just did, like, you know, get it out. So it was it was wild. And then, you know, then there's James, like, giving me shots. And then we're praying over the shots to have a boy or a girl. Like, it's just, it was craziness. Um so yeah, that's how I found out that I would, and at that point, you know, we made the embryo and then I started chemo. At that point, they were like, maybe after chemo, you may have some fertility, you may have some egg follicles left and maybe you could do another round of IVF because they, they have these shots. They, they shut down your ovaries during chemo to try to protect them. Right. So they tell you this, but the kind of chemo I had is like a forest fire. It, it burns everything in your body down. Like talk about losing your hair. Like I mean, it, it just rips through you. It was called ACT. They call it the red devil part of it. And so basically I held on to this hope that we could maybe make one more embryo. And after chemo, about a year after I finished treatment, once it was all out of my system, I went back to RMA, my IVF office with like a hope that, you know, we would have maybe a chance to make another embryo. And they just put the ultrasound wand in and it was like a black 
desert. And that was the moment where I was like, I'm straight up now tell me infertile. There are no other chances to make a baby with the love of my life except this one little embryo we made. And so once they realized that it was like a black desert, you know, <laughs> the ship has sailed, then they made the plans to take my ovaries out because I have a genetic mutation. So that's sort of like where we went to and right around the time where I found out I had nothing left was when my oncologist sat me down because they didn't tell, they, no one talked about surrogacy during treatment. Because I think, like, you know, everything layers. is Like, how much can this girl shoulder? How much can she shoulder? I mean, yeah. It's, that's immediately what I'm thinking. It was like, I wouldn't want to add that layer in yet. Like, it, it's like, in this weird way, that that particular timing is now setting forward now. It's like, has setting sail for you and James to have a child. Right. For you, that process, because that also was not easy breezy. Um, what was your journey like to finding your surrogate now? And can you share how far along she is? And yeah, expecting. Oh my gosh, yes, I'll share maybe, all that stuff. Maybe a baby name if you want to name. You know, R Ricky already said if it's a boy, Ricky, and if it's a girl, Ashley. <laughs> yes. He's, well, well, so, okay. Let me, I'll, I'll give you the, so I did find out my oncologist was like, cause this is important for the listeners to know because it's so confusing because people are like, I know a girl who had, you know, who had a baby after cancer and da, da, da. So yeah, you can totally have a baby after cancer. You can totally carry one of your embryos. My oncologist, the type of cancer I have feeds off estrogen. The age I was when I finished treatment, I have to be on drugs for at least five years. She wouldn't even think about letting me take a, they call it a break from your meds to try to carry. So then uh. I'd, be, I'd be 45. And with one embryo, by the way, that was fair quality, quote unquote. They, they reminded me of that a lot. They're like, you're fair quality embryo. And I was like, oh, great, thanks. Um, you know, they, she's like 45, you've never been pregnant. You want to try to transfer this miraculous little most valuable thing in the world to yourself at 45, like bad idea. You need a surrogate. Another night of, you know, I'll never be pregnant. I mean, we, the, the breastfeeding things that say, oh, when I lost my breasts. So, um, so yeah, so we were like, all right, again, just we're in this boat. If we want a baby, this is how we're doing it, you know? And so um, there's surrogacy agencies in the U.S. Like I didn't have anyone all my friends are our age. So they were like, we do it for you. But, um, you know, like my sister-in-law's older. So there was just no one in my family that my mom was like, honey, I'll carry it for you. And I was like, yes. Deb. You know, Deb. She's like, anyway, I'll go to Pottery Barn and then I'll carry your baby. And I was like, okay. I was like, when my mom found out I had cancer, she, you know, Ashley's on my mom for so long. I was like, I was like, mom, I was like, um, you know, I have to I have to get a double mastectomy. She was like, okay, you want to go to Costco? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, she can't, like, it's so heavy for her. Like, she was like, she's like, okay, um, yeah. So do you want to go to Costco when I come up? Because I was thinking, I was like, oh my God. So, oh, bless her heart. I oh, love your mom. God, she's the, she helped me get through. I mean, talk about, and again, I didn't mention my family and my support system and my friends also helped me get through all this crazy ass shit. So, so surrogacy agency was the move. Right. So you interview a bunch of them and it's like, it's like dating. It always goes back to dating in New York, but you know, you, so you do the interviews, you're like, what feels like a good, you know? And so like some of them were so like used car salesmen, like one said, here's our journey. You know, this is what it's going to cost. It's going to cost X, Y, Z. And the wait list is very long, you know, and, and, and you're going to get a brand new surrogate, but for an extra $60,000, you can do the VIP journey, be matched under three months and with a, our best surrogates. And I was like, okay, wait. So for $100,000 paying you, that's not even paying the surrogate, but paying the agency. We get the VIP journey, but for $40,000 just to match us, we get what? Like the used car of surrogates? Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was. And then they kept saying, like, you only have one embryo. So, you know, that was a crazy experience. But we landed with a great agency out of Boston. 
we um, we ended up matching with a surrogate in probably four months. So we started this process winter of 22. Summer of 22, we got matched with a beautiful Brazilian girl out of Boston. Um, we worked with her. We brought her to New York, all these things. She was 20, but very mature. Uh, Cause you know, you want like, you're like, this person's gonna be carrying my kid. Like I want to make sure you really got your shit together. We were out of New York six months. We were, you know, almost six months. We worked together from spring, you know, to August of 22. And in August of 22, she ghosted us. She just disappeared. And I was like, again, heartbreak. I couldn't move. Like I laid on a lawn chair out by our pool on our cushions that I worry about so much. On my pillows that are out. And I and I just laid flat and I had a, just a glass of white wine at all times. And I would, because I was like, really? I've gone through all this. How can someone do that? I mean, because having a baby to me with James was the North Star of getting through cancer. That was another thing. I was like, that was what I was, it's like I said, I have a huge life on the back end. And this is going to work. I'm going to have a baby because this, I, I deserve, I'm going to have this baby, you know? So I'm just comatose, ghosted, ghosted, ghosted. I'm just like, I can't even function. Deep depression. Because I'm like, now we have to start over again. And the matching right. process and all of it and all the energy and like. But so praise the man upstairs that you did not give that girl that embryo. Oh, agreed. Because, you know, that kind of just that. And it was, there were issues anyway. So we ended up getting rematched with our current surrogate, Whitney. Um, we rematched with her October 22, and she had gotten ghosted by her intended parents. So the couple that she was matched with, they were in London. They were in London. We're they London. ghosted her. They were in London, your place. And so they ghosted her. So we both had had the same situation happen to us. And my IVF clinic had super strict rules for whoever could match with us because we only had one embryo of a fair quality. Thank you, IVF, constantly telling me that. Day seven AC embryo of a fair quality, fair hatching quality. Um, so it's going on tour, kids. It's going on tour. Going on the door. Hello, welcome, fair quality son. Welcome, day seven AC fair quality baby. Welcome to the world. Uh, so, so long story short, we ended up officially matching with her. Um, and we did the transfer April of 23 and the transfer worked. I'm going to cry again. And after the transfer worked, I found out our fair quality day seven AC hatching embryo only had a 20% chance of happening. So again, thank God they withheld that information from me for two and a half years while I was pinning all of my hopes and dreams on this little dude that was frozen because that was gnarly odds. And I think we can go into, I'll let you ask some more questions, but like I, the way I brought this soul here of my son is nothing short of like, I mean, I, I, I every, everything that you could possibly do to bring a baby here, I think spiritually, physically, all of it, you know, I did all of it. And now she's 20, is she 20 weeks, 22 weeks? Girl, she's 23 tomorrow. No, 24 tomorrow. Wait, wait 18 weeks left. 18 weeks left, so she'll be 17 weeks left, which is minus is 20. She'll be 23 weeks tomorrow. So she's 22. Right. I mean, for you, it, because you've just like, it's like strength after strength of really digging deep for you. And to now have her, because you do spend time with her. Um, I know that she's in another state, but you guys are very much in contact and you're going there. She's coming to you. What? How is it for you emotionally now with her by your side or, you know, through Zoom or whatever to see her, to know that she's carrying your child and she's radiant, she's healthy and, and all of those things. But how is that personally for you and how has now this new journey been? Oh, my God. I mean, again, another layer cake, right? Like high high level thinking like thank god she's healthy thank god the pregnancy is going well thank god this baby is like he's a giant and he moves around more than anyone could move like kid's gonna be spectacular on the level of you know i had grieved all these losses and my fertility i had had grieved the opportunity to carry my baby i had grieved 
all that comes with that, playing the music at night, you know, James seeing me come out of the bathroom every morning with a growing belly, you know, I had grieved all of that, but that's not to say still that there isn't some sort of, you know, it, it's hard to see her sometimes because it just is a reminder. So I have to do that. I have to just, again, find that, that kind of mining of the joy to just keep saying like, but he's coming. Like we get what we get at the end of the day, what we've always wanted, which was a baby that is, is, is our genetic or DNA. And we love adoption is a medical, we, we, we may have an adopt, you know, who knows. So that, I, I just keep going back to that because I taught her yoga in my yoga studio yesterday and they came to the Hamptons, her and her kids. And like, I had the most meta moment. I still haven't talked about it to anyone, but I used, I teach prenatal yoga to women. Like I, that I'm certified to do that. And I've seen so many women through pregnancies, but I had a moment where I was teaching her prenatal yoga. She, she's like, really her back hurts because this kid's a giant. And I'm like, a meta moment goes off. And I was like, holy shit, I'm teaching a woman prenatal yoga who's carrying my son. Like I am teaching my son. And I just had a moment, like, and during Shavasana, I had my hand on her belly. So, I, you know, that was a really profoundly spiritual moment for me because when my hand was on her belly and we were breathing together, like I could feel the baby kick. And so I think through this process, like, it's the same way I got through cancer. I just have to let myself feel everything, you know, like I have to, and it's hard sometimes, you know, it's hard. Um, so it's, it's, it's like I said, just feel all the feelings and move through them. And just at the end of the day, look forward because there's so much joy to come apparently in so many sleepless nights as everyone tells me. Well, yeah, I, w I wanted to ask about what, how does it feel now to know that you're going to be blessed with a glorious baby boy? and surrounded by so much love, but you are now going to be an ever so busy mumsy. <laughs> we brought it back. I'm bringing it back, girlfriend. I see your tears. And Ricky said to me, he's like, Ashley, I know you're gonna be crying this whole podcast. And I literally, like, I should be sitting on pins because I'm doing everything I can to keep myself together. Wow. You're the one that's allowed to cry, but I'm not allowed. You're not, Ashley, you're very good. You're, Ashley, you're, you're, again, we're very good. I've lost my ability to be like, I can focus. <laughs> I am the host of this show. Gosh darn it. I am keeping it together. Keep it together. Let's talk. Okay, that, I'll make you laugh for a second. No, listen. No. Can I tell you, why do people, and I know this is probably because it's true, but people get, like, once they get out the congratulations, we're so happy for you, you deserve it, you went through hell, da 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 then they're like, just get ready, because your life is to do everything you want to do now, because life has zero joy after, and I'm, they don't say that, but they say it like that. They're like, yeah. you and James, live your best life, go, go get drunk, and go on vacation, and I'm like... Okay, sure. Yes. Okay. Things are going to change wildly. But why do they have to say it like doomsday is coming? It's not doomsday. Don't, do, don't get that twisted. It's not doomsday. I mean, Ricky and I have just gotten to the point where we laugh. Like we are in this beautiful new apartment and we've got a beautiful bedroom. I don't sleep in that bedroom. Um, I sleep with Adia right now because she... If, if I don't sleep with her, then she will wake up in the middle of the night and I don't want her getting lost. I don't want her getting hurt. I, it, sometimes she makes it to the bedroom and it's literally like, you know, you know, those like really scary children in those scary movies with the really long black yeah, hair. And like, and like, so she's like, daddy, move over or like mom. And it's like frightening. And it's like three, four in the morning. And you're just like, we get to the point where like we, we could do three, three nights. I'll sleep in the bedroom. And then I get up in the middle of the night and I move with her right. and then just look at each other at night. And he's like, so roommate, are you going to go to the other room? And I'm like, uh-huh. Cause I want to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you pick and choose. It is not doomsday. It's a glorious, amazing, shit storm that I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I just wouldn't. And so I'm not going to say to you that it's going to be like, get your partying done now because you're, you're never going to live ever again because right. you have a child. Right. But like, 
you know, you're embarking on this new journey now where a life, like this tiny little thing is going to rely on you morning, noon, and night, and you're going to have shit on the walls and crayon. There's currently crayon all over this hallway out here, and I don't know how we're getting it off. I have no clue, and I'm about to ask the landlord for paint, uh. like like white paint because it's not coming off. So, like, you, you pick and choose, right? But, like, yeah. you're embarking on this new thing. So, like, how excited are you you're allowed to be excited right oh like you're no, no. i just wanted to get that out of the way because i'm sure that the, yeah. you know, people that listen to this podcast like are have heard that too or like listen <sighs> i'm freaking over the moon like I, I look at james and i'm like i'm like we get to meet and especially because i'm not carrying him so it's like right we get to meet him and connect with him like so soon and you know due date's december 26th like and so I'm thrilled. Like it's every, everything like, and, and this baby is not only just wanted so badly by James and I, but now like, since we've shared our story, like we have like a whole world of people who are like this eagerly awaiting this kid. I mean, it's, it's a, but I have to tell you, I have moments in the shower, truth town where I'm like, whoa, this, this kid is going to be like, or I just went to yoga today and I was thinking in yoga. I'm like, okay. I'm going to have to do like yoga at home, obviously for a while, but then maybe we'll have to do yoga at night because James can take the baby if we don't have a full-time nanny. And I'm already like getting overwhelmed in my head just about the day-to-day things. And so it's almost like I've, I've morphed so many times in my life. Um, I'm definitely like a slash, like was Broadway Sarah, was yoga Sarah, was, you know, breast cancer fighter warrior Sarah. And now it's just another morph and it's, morphing into mom, Sarah, and I can't wait to become mom, Sarah. And I can't, and there's, but there's going to be a lot of things about me and about the way that I go about my life that are going to have to change. And that is, that's evolution to me, but you never, you never evolve or make a change without some level of fear. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, I've, I'm, I'm all the things. I'm three years in and I have fear as a mom, as a partner yeah. every day. Yeah. It, just, it, just, it, it, it goes with it. And, and, and strangely and funnily enough, she just woke up. I just heard Ricky run into the other room. <laughs> I've heard, I heard her scream, dad, dad, mama, someone come get me. She's oh, up. She was in bed. Cause it's like nine there. Right. Or 10. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I podcast morning, noon and night here. I know. I was thinking, I was like, it's time zones. you know, just is what it is, but it's, it really is such a powerful torch to carry when, when it's in your hand and there is no, no rule book, just like cancer. You, you said earlier on, no one, you know, people try to give me books and you were like, screw the books. I'm going to get through this my way. And it's just like parenting. You're going to make your own rule book. You're going to use your own language. You're going to dress your child the way you want to dress a child. And that child is going to grow beautifully because he's being nurtured by yeah. his two loving parents. Yeah. I love hearing simple. that. Because exactly, because like you saw, I don't know if you saw the video I made, you know, especially living in New York City, like New York City moms are hardcore. They are like, you know, they're they like, we've got it all together. You got to do this, you got to do that. You got to do this, you got to have this, you got to have a snoo, you got to have a snuggle me. And I was like, what the F is a snuggle me? You just need zippers. <laughs> oh, oh, so no snap onesies? Do not do snaps. You literally by day three and you're like, oh, they're so cute though. You will be shaking and you will just be like, I, I just like, I need a zipper. Just get zipper and Velcro. And that's all you need. Like and a, you sleep need zipper and like a zipper, sleep sack? Sleep sack, zipper, Velcro, holiday strim. Because when they get to two, three, that's when the cute outfits really come in and you can do all sorts of two, accessories. Two, three years old, two, three years old, so, two, three months. Two, no, two, three years old. Oh, but that, that beginning shit. Wait, look You're at gonna- this. I mean, I know I'm on a podcast, but I know this is also, hold on, because I went today to the oh TJ Maxx. She's going to bring on her shopping bags. Oh, oh, my, oh, oh. I went to the TJ Maxx, but I'm not buying clothes, you know, really, but when I see something, I just kind of can't help myself, because again, I'm nesting, because I'm not pregnant. I mean, come on. And this has a snap, but it says, handsome like dad. Snaps are great, but not great. Under the crotch, fine. Do not buy anything that has all that button snap bullshit. Uh, all oh, that. okay. So just the crotch snaps are fine. That's fine. People that's an easy fix. Like, say, say like you're in the car and the baby needs to be changed. Like that's a quick, accessible, okay. easy okay. access. Okay. You're fine. I just want to show you But that. like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I approve of that. But literally I had so many like 
strange, weird, and wonderful outfits that I thought they were so fashion forward. And then she wore them one time because I couldn't, like, I just couldn't maneuver the situation. Because when it turns into a situation, it turns into a situation. Yeah. You have to, like, dress them like dolls. You're like, but they're dolls that move and that have opinions. You're like, oh, boy. (laughs) They're so much fun. I I am so excited to just watch you go into this next stage of Mamaville, of Parentingville, of being the best busy mumsy that I know that you will be. And through this whole journey, Strim, what have you learned? Like, what's the one thing that you've learned about yourself that you could pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy or that gal, that guy that is, you know, that's going through a really hard time that just needs a little word of wisdom that perhaps helped you through. Yeah, I would say, I would say the same thing. It's like when you're in a moment and that could be a new mom and I haven't been a new mom yet, but I'm going to assume that this is the technique I'm going to use is when you feel like it's like a never ending evening or like you're, you know, this baby's going to keep you up for the rest of time. Um, you can apply that to the same way you can apply if someone listening has, has just gotten news of perhaps they're having a health crisis or they lost their job or is that you just, it, it, it will end. You will get to the end of it. Right. And so like you will get through and, but think about how you walk to get through. Right. So think about how you're walking. Right. Because you're going to get to the end of it. And, and, and it's like, you could either just like, cause when you, go dark on it. And when you walk and you're like, Oh, this is terrible. I hate this so much. This is never going to end. You're going to feel even worse. Like you're going to feel it's just going to keep bringing you down. But if you walk getting to the end of it and you're like, okay, this is temporary. Like this is temporary. There is on the back end, you know, like so much amazing, you know, so the baby will sleep one day. Right. Or, or you will get your health, but you know, so, so I think or you will sleep one day or you will sleep one day. Well, the baby sleeps and I guess inherently that means you sleep. But I, I just think it's that choice in those moments, whether they are like so small as in Parentingville where your kids are making you tear your hair out or whether it's something so macro, like, like a cancer diagnosis, it's, it's true. It's, you know, nothing, like it really doesn't last forever. And that's just important to remember when you're in a hard time, but also in a good time. So just like, like I said, like, just know that and, and, and move through it with grace and, and there's joy around. Just find it. Even if you think there is none when you haven't slept for a week with a baby. So true. Sarah Strimmel Bentley, thank you so much for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast. Oh my God. I love you so much. I feel honored. I was like, oh, Ashley asked me to be on the, and then I had a moment where I was like, I'm going to be a mumsy. I finally, because you had all these guests and I was like, I want to talk to Ashley on her podcast, but I'm not a mom yet. And then it hit me and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a busy mumsy. Entering the twilight zone. Welcome. Don't do that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you too. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes. Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Yeah. <laughs>